For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Well, here we are, the fourth Sunday in Lent. We're all over halfway through the Lenten season. And today we have this passage about being children of light, about being and walking in the light. And, you know, here's the thing. The scriptures have a lot to say about this contrast between light and darkness. Uh, Greek, phos, light, skotos, darkness. And in fact, the Greek, sometimes uh, the Greek word for light becomes photos. Photos, photos versus skotos. But you and I, we don't really get the importance of this kind of contrast. Why? Because we have electricity. Flick of a switch, we got light. You know, it's dark in the middle of the night. We get up and we go, flick, ah, light. But if you go back to these ancient peoples, they had the light of the sun, they had light of fire. That's pretty much what they had. Uh, you know, they could, uh, at night, they could light a candle, fire, or oil lamp, fire. But these were precious resources, and so they had to be really careful with the way they used them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have any light at all. I mean, they couldn't run to Walmart, buy 100 candles, stick them in the closet just in case. That's what we could do today. They really knew what darkness was. They didn't have uh, the ability to just create light the way we do today. And, you know, uh, people of God, the closest we come to it is when we have a power outage, especially for those of us who don't have generators, right? You can't, you can't cook. You don't have refrigeration. You, you, can't, um, uh, you don't have heat. You're too cold or you don't have air. You're too too hot, and you certainly don't have light, and you're miserable for that day or two. Imagine that's your life. So when you get into the mindset of these ancient people, light meant life. Number one, in the light there is life. And we know that. I mean, that's, uh, 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 what was that? Davis said, you know, without light there aren't plants. Without the sun, we don't have life in this, in this world. Light is life. But secondly, light isn't just life. Light 
is seeing. Here's the thing about the human being. We are one of the few creatures that really can't see at night. We can only see the way our eyes work. When we have light, our eyes can see. When we have dark, our eyes really don't see. And that is why when we talk about seeing in the light, we're also saying we come to be enlightened. We use light as an imagery or metaphor for wisdom, for uh, having this kind of enlightenment. The light bulb comes on, aha! Or I once was blind, but now I see. We use it as a way of saying, I have greater wisdom and insight. I now can see. So you see, when we say uh, Jesus is the light of the world, we're saying Jesus is the life of the world. We're saying Jesus is the truth, the enlightenment, the wisdom of the world. And we're saying Jesus is the way that is illuminated before us. Did you know, people of God, that light, scientifically, we know this now, light travels in a straight path. And so in some ways, Jesus is the light of the world, is that straight and narrow path that we are to walk. Jesus is the light of the world, and we can be children of light and walk in the light. We can walk in, in wisdom, we can walk in truth, we can walk in the way. But just because Jesus is the light of the world and we follow Jesus doesn't mean we see perfectly. Jesus tells us we have logs in our eyes. You know, uh, this, is, this is so interesting to me. You know, Jesus in, in, in chapter uh, 7 of, of uh, Matthew says, hypocrites, take the log out of your own eye before you start picking at specks in other people's eyes. Jesus is saying, we have a log in our eye. None of us see perfectly. We want to follow God, but we don't see perfectly. What we say is not always what we do, which is why so many people say, oh, that church is filled with hypocrites. Because you got to see that you have a log in your own eye, which kind of blocks some of the light from getting through. That's part of the reason for a season of reflection like Lent, is we're supposed to stop and take a look at some of the logs that might be blocking uh, the light from getting through and for us to be able to see and walk in the light as God's children. Too many times Christians, people of God, decide that they actually see perfectly. That's when they are not in the light. That's when they're beginning to stray into darkness because they're so sure they've got it all. I see perfectly. My way is right. I know Jesus. I don't have any flaws. You people do. And you need to fix what's wrong with you. Then you can join me in the light. How many times do people do that? Now, I have to say this just a couple days ago. I was on Facebook, and uh, one of the large churches that is about to, I guess today, hold a vote on disaffiliation, uh, they had a Facebook video of their pastors explaining to the people all the reasons for leaving. 
And, you know, it went things, it went, it went like this. We're better off on our own. We already live better than those people do. We know who we are. They don't do what we do. Now, it's a way, people of God, of saying, you not only we're better than you, it's a way of saying we don't need you. We're better on our own. But you know what? Jesus never, ever, ever says we're better on our own. Jesus always says we're better together. Jesus says, hey, these 5,000 people who certainly have a lot of different opinions and viewpoints and ways they've been living, if they sit down together, these two loaves of bread are going to feed them all. We're better together. I can multiply loaves when we're together. Now, I'm not going from house to house of 5,000 people. Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to call 12 disciples because we're better together, even if they're going to bicker with each other and, you know, be like guys and wrestle and punch one another and stuff. We're better together. Jesus says to Peter, Peter goes, denies Jesus three times, and then uh, the resurrected uh, Christ says, well, Peter, I'm not going to kick you out. I'm not going to say, that's it, bud. You're out of here. You messed up. No, no, he says, come on back, You're, we're better together. There's something interesting that God showed me that I've never seen before. Have you ever thought about this? Peter, when Jesus is being crucified, Peter walks away from the true light that has come into the world. And where do we find Peter? By a fire. By a false light where he thinks he can be safe and instead the darkness is exposed. It comes to light that he was with Jesus and he's denying the true light and warming himself by a false light. Light. You see, this is exactly what human beings do. We walk away from the true light. We build a false light. We try and warm ourselves and, and be who we think we ought to be and keep ourselves safe and show who we really are. And it proves itself to expose our logs that are in our eyes. Mm-mm-mm. Brian, we're here. You clap. Mm-mm-mm. You see, but here's the thing. Jesus, in fact, says, Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church. It's as if Jesus is saying, now that you see that you have logs in your eyes, now I can use you fully. Now that you realize you can't do this on your own, you need me, you need others, I can use you fully. It is not until we recognize who we really are that God can truly use us for the work of Christ in the world. You see, it isn't about ever being perfect. We're never going to be perfect. It's about being self-aware enough to say, I'm not perfect, but Lord, I want to stay in the light. So then it becomes... This question for us, people of God, 
If we all have these logs in our eyes and we're all so busy self-reflecting, you know, do we just keep beating ourselves up in hope that, you know, somehow we'll become better? No, because the whole point is that we're supposed to grow in love, not grow in self-loathing or something. That's not the message of Jesus. The answer is simpler than we think. You know, uh, many of you maybe have read this story in the last couple weeks about a high school in Texas where uh, a janitor, uh, Mr. James, came back out of retirement at the age of 80 years old uh, to clean the school building because his rent had gone up $400 a month and he couldn't afford the increase in everything. Now, you would think that teenagers in a high school would be making fun of an 80-year-old man who's emptying their trash and so forth. But these kids looked at Mr. James, and they actually said, you know, that's not right. And so what three of them did was set up a GoFundMe page, and these kids decided they would try and raise $10,000 for Mr. James, give him $10,000, and figure he could go back into retirement and live happily ever after. Well, because these kids were doing something remarkable and nice, the news picked it up. And by the time Mr. James said, you know, please shut that down, there was over $270,000 that had been donated to Mr. James. And if you go on, I went on, it's closed, but I went on and looked at it. Do you know most of the gifts were $5 or $10? Nobody was in there giving $1,000 or $270,000 by $5 and $10 increments. You see, that's a multiplying of the loaves. That's these kids stepping out, doing a small thing, trying to get $10,000, doing something good, shining a light, being helpful, and guess what? It multiplies in the kingdom of God. You see, I think when you get right down to it, it is those small, everyday things that we do that begin to really make a difference and that God multiplies. So it may be, uh, you know, you smile and wave at someone. Maybe it's, you know, you compliment someone and you have no idea they were having a terrible day. Maybe it's that you, you know that awkward moment when the person's not quite close enough to hold the door and you're like, do I go in and let it slam or do I? You hold the door awkwardly for those few extra seconds. You just don't know. You put your phone up and you talk to the, the cashier rather than, you know, yeah, whatever. People of God, we're not called to change the world. We are called to shine the light. Every time we do that smile or, or wave, we flick a little light on Every time we give a compliment or say a kind word, we light a candle and keep the darkness at bay. The more we do these small kinds of acts of graciousness, of kindness, of Christ-likeness, who knows what God will do? You see, people of God, Every time we flick that little light or light that little candle, it illuminates the path 
for us. We know which way to go. Every time we do that, we're shining the light for others. And there isn't a single person in this room that can't flip little lights on every single day. I have a feeling the more lights we flick, the less that log gets in our way. So here's the thing, people of God, you have three weeks left in the Lenten season. I encourage you every day, make sure you're flicking a little light or you're lighting a little candle, whatever small way, make a point of it, think about it, ask yourself, write down at night, what have I done in this day that, that turned on a little light in the world? Because the more we do it, people of God, the brighter the light will become. People of God, we are children of the light. Be light in the world. Shine that light because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is already here. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.